0: This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Believe it! It's time.
1: Talk time. Let's go. Y'all from and luckily there's a show called talk time. We've been waiting for this for a long time Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news special guests and unbiased reviews suburban kids the hipster street dudes all can learn something new me too. I heard words when no faith is empty I stayed the course though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy ACMG Anime comics, movies and games to come on and let's get it Talk time Anime comics, movies and games to come on and let's get it Talk time Anime comics, movies and games to come on and let's get it Talk time Anime comics, movies and games to come on and let's get it Talk time
0: Welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, The Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, we got a lot of news to talk about, some thoughts on some shows that just recently came out this week. This whole week, my, I, the vigor, if you will, the energy is finally starting to, you know, finally wear down from that of this week with AEW Dynamite hitting Philly. Uh, again, really fantastic event. If you're a wrestling fan and was looking for something new and refreshing, that didn't insult your intelligence, that is that is just it. I mean, you got that NWA power, all that stuff going on right now. It's just great. You, being a start, being a wrestling fan is starting to be uh, a lot of fun again. So I uh, really enjoyed that, but the energy is starting to come back. But far be it for me to not be here because we got a lot of news to talk about, some thoughts on a lot of things going on in the world of our favorite fandoms. And to top it off, we're going to have our talk topic review – wonder woman bloodlines i got a chance to see that and it's the latest addition to the dc animated universe or 52 uni- their version of the animated 52 universe and uh we're going to talk about that in more this episode so without further ado let's not waste any time let's find out what's new in the world of acmg
1: and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg
0: So to top it off, I do want to get right down to it and talk about Titans this week. Uh, I talked about it last week, and I'm talking about it this week. This show is really starting to step up from the first season. The first season was really slow pace. It, You know, it was a slow, really, really slow burn, but I hung out and stuck to it. And uh, actually, no, I didn't. I binged the entire series when it finally came out, but... You know, with the announcement that Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke, was coming in this season, I really wanted to see what they did, what they were going to do, because Greg Belante, who wrote, who produced the Arrow series, is working on this series, and the Slade series, the second season of uh, Arrow with Slade in there, was by far the best season, like, still it's like if you chop it off they're about to end the season and we're going to talk about that next by the way um if you top it off like still of all the seasons that i really enjoyed the third season was crazy and now we have titans that's you know entering their second season and my goodness it's really stepped up What the difference between arrow and titan is that arrow the first season really it didn't slow pace it was it really picked up it gave us an idea of what they were trying to do with that series, unbeknownst to us at the time, that we were going to see way more of like these shows like Supergirl and Legend of Tomorrow and um, Black Lightning and Flash and stuff like that, and, and that was the other thing. Flash, you know, premiered in the second, debuted in on Arrow in the second season too, so that's another reason why that season was so great, but. Titans second season is really turning up. They really stepped the game up. It really is starting to feel like the Titans comic that I've read in a sense. And I absolutely love it. So I mean, and take note. I I am yeah, if you're listening to this and you've been listening to this for some time and I've talked about how I wouldn't invest in the DC Universe app Because I got so many. Well, let it be known that I have officially canceled my subscription to WWE Network. So I couldn't take it anymore. I I really tried my best to stick with them, but their product has not really been good lately. And I'm like, I refuse to pay for any more of this, even though they got a great library of old wrestling shows and stuff like that. It's just not worth it. It's just not. They I I you got to step down and protest, you know, especially when they're just all the stuff that they're doing. So dc universe is my replacement for that so i'm still keeping with actually i'm probably paying less than i was paying for wwe right now anyway because they now have a new tier system and, and such like that so um they could kiss all of my ass right now <laughs> with that and then furthermore disney plus is going to be coming out probably in about another month with actually in a couple weeks or something like that from correct i think it's coming out in november so we're going to get that a try as well check it out see what what with that one and uh see how that goes but you know this is going to be interesting uh they have a lot of content on dc universe and i'm digging what they have right now so with that said i am enjoying titans right now i am really really enjoying titans it's getting better by the week last week was the episode that premiered connor uh connor kent aka superboy and crypto and i really enjoyed that probably the my favorite of all the episodes so far This one also was really good as well. This week we uh, see Jason Todd trying to get through his trauma from falling from the building, only to be saved by Connor, who was eventually uh, who would show um, who was actually shot by Lex's right hand, Mercy. And I didn't realize that was Mercy in the last episode. I did not realize that's who that was. Um, They they uh, race swapped. You know the uh, character of. Mercy she's now black and uh, With an English British accent If you will and um, So I thought that was Pretty interesting and cool It appears uh, that It feels like every Mercy that they Do cause um, the Mercy on What was it? Mercy on Batman versus Superman Uh, She was Asian On the animated series She is originally Caucasian which I think she is on the Comic book as well and this version, she is uh, a woman of color with a British accent. So, I'll, I'll, I don't mind the change up as long as, um, as, long as they keep the strength of Mercy. Because Mercy, her character, and the essence of her character is a, you know, she's the right-hand man of or woman of, of Lux. So, she got to be able to handle her own. And this one, for sure. She's like damn near Amanda Waller. <laughs> and this is just really cutthroat in a sense. So it's uh really interesting that they're doing here and it looks like we possibly may see Lex down the line their version or this universe of Lex down the line so that will be interesting as well Connor is uh meanwhile stabilized but barely surviving as he needs extraordinary medical attention uh due to his Kryptonian DNA so they're struggling trying to figure out how to help him there uh Dick Grayson uh he's he his mind is playing tricks on him in the meantime on um uh, while searching for Deathstroke as he is withholding a dark secret that is eating at him like constantly throughout this episode Uh, so so much so that he is projecting images of Bruce Wayne who talks to him multiple times trying to bring him bring some sense uh, to him throughout the entire episode looking for Slade and Bruce is acting somewhat uncharacteristic and that's how you kind of know this is like a not a Real version of him. Plus, there's a scene where Dove comes in, uh, Mika Kelly, who plays Dove. She comes in and basically tries to see if he's okay, but that, you know, that Bruce Wayne projection disappears. And it's a really interesting I I, I mentioned before that I was not really a fan particular fan of this Bruce Wayne. Um, he's kinda of, I mean, not all Bruce Wayne's have to be dark. Not all Bruce Wayne, I mean, there was Adam West that Bruce Wayne before um Michael Keaton wasn't exactly dark per se he was still charismatic but he was a little bit you know he was to himself Christian Bell was a lot more darker uh, Kevin Conroy was a lot more darker and Kevin Conroy really kind of is he kind of sets the standards of Bruce Wayne's like he is possibly the best Bruce Wayne of all time you know in many his eyes many people's eyes and that's not taking anything away from all the other ones maybe george clooney maybe val kimmer maybe we could put them to the side but um even ben Afflex is pretty i i didn't mind his bruce wayne either he was kind of dark too uh he was going that direction too but maybe that's where he shouldn't have went. maybe he should have went a different direction like they doing with this guy i don't know but they um this version i i mean it may not be my cup of tea this version of Bruce Wayne may not be my cup of tea, but that's not to say that he's a bad character. That's not to say he's a bad Bruce Wayne. It just he may falter to somebody else's like other than mine. This is just my personal preference. I always like the dark and edgy Kevin Conroy, you know, Christian Bell like style, you know, Bruce Wayne. You know, he knows how to be charismatic, but when it gets when it turns around, he's just boom. Now, this guy, and, and, and take note, like, Bruce Wayne, when he's around, like, other people, he's a little bit more charismatic. He's playing that role. He's playing that playboy role. And he kind of just, I felt like he was like that all the time, with even with Dick um, being around him. So, I don't know to what extent he becomes the Dark Knight in this case or whatever, but we will see later on down the line. I mean, his character will most likely, if he's continuing to be on the show, his character will no doubt you develop more and more so we'll hopefully we'll see that character or maybe not but if not you know it's, I'm not going to say he's a bad character Um in particular for this episode I thought he was pretty good but at the end of the day it's like if I had to choose the, ty- the type of Bruce that I want I like the Kevin Conroy's and the Christian Bale version so but he for this episode for this particular thing I thought he did pretty good here. Yeah, so um meanwhile Later on in the episode, we see Rose on the uh, who is trying to connect with Jason. And Jason is is suffering through some type of uh, PTSD, uh, from that fall. It's obvious, he's looking, he's constantly at the window, he's staring at the window, um, and he's just visualizing the rapid fall that he has taken. And that's all he saw, like, he just seeing his his life flash before his eyes. And we got to remember, Jason is a well equipped well-trained, you know, fighter and warrior, but he's still a kid, and that kid instinct still kicks in, you know, as even some adults can't handle, you know, that type of stress, and so it's it's understandable, and I'm actually glad that they added that portion and aspect to his character, because it just reminds you that this young boy is a kid, he's a young teenage kid, so, I I really I really like that. It's like, okay, he handled a he handled a like damn near skyscraper fall. It was like a 20-story fall. He could have died. And it would've been unrealistic in a sense for him not to have any experience from that or be traumatized from that. You know, and I know we actually comic books a lot of times don't capture that type of thing. I'm glad that the writers here did. And, brought, and really brought that element to it because it makes sense. It make, You're falling from a 20, maybe 25 story building and you're not going to have any effects from it. At least at first, you know? And if this is the first time he's ever felt like that and he's always been confident because he's had grappling hooks and all the stuff that he swung from, you know, I can understand, like, it, it, it makes sense. It, even if you're a hero, you should have these types of emotions. So, it was really awesome to see that. And then Rose comes in to try to, you know, she tries to comfort him in a way and tries to, uh, rec- you know, reconcile with him, one, and then try to console him as, in another. And it just, <clears throat> this scene in particular started getting really heated because she started turning on music. She started, like, you know, dancing and, you know... He wasn't taking well, he was kind of taking notice, and I'm like, dude, really take notice of this. <laughs> Shoot your shot. She's shooting a shot at you. She's trying to bond with him because of their experience with her with her father, which is Death Stroke. So this is happening, and um the two become slightly intimate in this case before somehow one Jason doesn't even you know, he pushes her off because he's just not feeling it at the moment. At the moment. I think there is going to be a connection to this sooner or later as a, as a season develops. But Rose also somehow finds a piece of her brother's past in his room uh, in the form of a record. As a, a Billy Idol Ziggy Stardust record that she found in there signed by uh, a friend. And she recognized that immediately. And what she did, she leaves pissed off and angry and feels that she's being used by Dick and the rest of the gang. And Jason knew nothing about it. Also, the Titans himself, uh, there's someone lurking around the Titan towers, leaving antagonizing calling cards, which, you know, tells the, which the team believes Jason is doing. And, you know, because I guess Jason it does that a lot, or so, for some reason, or they feel like he's just the type of guy to do it. And it started with um Ravens Room, where she, there was a whole bunch of black crucifixes in there, and Dove had a he had a bottle of whiskey or whatever there, because he you know, just anything that just bother him. Like Deathstroke knows everything, and Dick finally reaches to his destination, you know, upon all of them doing this, to discover that the entire. Search was for nothing as Deathstroke led him right where he wants him. Also revealing that he's been at Titan Towers the entire time. So the person who's been leaving those calling cards was, in fact, uh, Slade, a.k.a. Deathstroke. Dick comes home. He comes back home and warns the team that he's not that he's actually in the building. He's actually there. He's been watching the whole time and also realizes he comes in just as they were arguing about Dick. You know, putting those calling cards in, and Jay and Dick comes in, or Jason, that I matter was leaving those calling cards. Dick comes in, warns him, and then realizes also that Jason left uh, the area. He finds him up in the rooftop, and then he tries to you know con- you know talk him down. Uh, Dick instead goes on the edge of the rooftop with him, but he then tells the secret to Jason, saying that he killed. Slade's son and that's where the show ends and it leads off on a really big cliffhanger so next week I guess we're gonna talk about what's gonna happen to what happened to in that flashback uh scene is gonna come in we're gonna figure out what's gonna happen uh we still gotta find out where Rose is at what comes about that and where the hell is Slade in that building that right there, which is which Wonder Girl has said the reason Donna Troy said is the reason why they left that place in the first place because he keeps compromising their security in a, and just damn near killed all of them. So I'm loving what they do. I'm loving this version of Slade so far. Uh, as I he hasn't really shoot, shooted his shot yet as far as how devious this dude has can be, but well, he did kill Dr. Light so. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think by the end of the season, I got to wait to the end of the season to compare and contrast Arrow's version, the Arrowverse version of Slade to this version of Slade. But so far he's living up, he's living up to the, to the character. So I'm loving this show. If you haven't gotten a DC universe app and you're a DC fan, what the hell are you waiting for? I'm not a DC fan to that extent. I'm not a DC fan. Like I am a Marvel fan. I'm a Marvel comics fan. So the fact that I'm investing in this and i've read i do read i used to read titans from time to time i read super sons um and teen titans for some reason those are the those are the books that i liked and maybe it's because of the artist in there arthur Ibert uh draws for them as well and, and um and a few other people that i like that draws for those uh for those books as well so in jim lee and all those guys are on that side that's a reason why i really read over to dc for a short step but they i mean you get a you get the whole entire catalog um i do i am looking to read i I am looking to read um what is that book uh the watch what is it um the watchman crossover series so i do have that on favorites ready to read and check out because i heard that book was really good uh i haven't read comics in quite a while and i have actually jumped back onto the house of x and wow you know for marvel I, you know, the people on the ACMG Facebook group. Shout out to all you guys who've been watching and listening, uh, or, or been reading to, uh, well, listening to the show too, but actually reading that book, and you know, encouraged me enough to check it out. And I read that book, and I was blown away at what they did with the X Men, and just changed the game. Really, really changed. Mirror, Metagard and all this stuff just changed the entire game. I really dug it. Um, Apparently, this is the start of something new. I'm hoping that this is not only just the start of something new for the X-Men, but the start of something new for the entire Marvel comic book universe, because that universe has been stale for quite some time, because they've been focusing on the comic books, which are, I mean, on the movies, which, ironically, the movies are based on, like, 90s content. (laughs) so it's like they haven't really been able to do anything new but they've worked hard you could tell they worked hard for this book and what they've done uh so much so if you go into the acmg facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash acmg1 you can see that i designed a banner dedicated to that book because i was just blown away i was very moved at what they did xavier alone xavier by the end of this i don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched but xavier man Um, it was kind of sad. It was kind of sad and understanding by the end of that, of what and why things were happening the way that they did. But man, I still got to watch, uh, Power of... I got to read Power of X as well. See how... I heard that was pretty good too. But the new X-Men book is going to be coming soon and, uh, it looks like change is coming for that company finally. Um, I don't know to what extent... Comic books... And wrestling have a lot in common, in a sense As far as business-wise There's a parallel Both in the 90s excelled hugely And I mean hugely uh, In the 90s There was a big boom period for both Uh, You know, wrestling was just huge With the Attitude Era And WCW doing NWO and all that stuff And they were competing Comic books were also flourishing I mean, successfully and in a, in a way that we've never seen before, like both, both of those industries would be considered like very geek, in and in a, you know, in a normal world, but in the '90s, those times were so great. Those times were such a great time to be a fan. You can go out and wear comic book. Sh- I mean, like we, it was really a big thing. Like wearing a comic book shirt was really a huge deal at the time. Uh, It is more. It is just as much now than it is then. But, you know, with the pride... And only because of the movies now that we're able to wear some of the stuff and not be ridiculed about it. But back then, it was like, when you wore a comic shirt, it's because you wore a comic book. In the 90s, there were no really epic, big-budget comic book movies. There were only the comic books itself. And people weren't, you know, ridiculing you for reading a comic book because it was like one of the hottest things out there at the time. Same with wrestling. You could wear a wrestling shirt and stuff back then. And not be ridiculed now it's start both I mean well wrestling is starting to make a comeback with AEW and I'm I haven't worn I don't think I've worn a wrestling shirt like out in the crowd balling like that and and rocking it like that for quite a while I AEW made me come back it made me feel good to be a wrestling fan because it's not it doesn't feel embarrassing <laughs> to look at and if I'm looking at WWE and it's like what the, hell are, what, the, why, what the hell is going on with this crap? You know, you're not embarrassed to feel like you're a wrestling fan in this case, but AEW is bringing it back. So I'm rocking those shirts now. Comic books I've always been rocking too, but again, we need a boom period. This looks like, I'm not saying a boom period is coming for wrestling, but something's happening really good. And hopefully it keeps developing to something good. This is the same thing for Marvel. Marvel, X-Men is really kicking it. We need something in the comic book industry. And maybe I need to talk to somebody who's really well into the industry to see what they believe in. Maybe I should get a comic book artist or two to come in the show to talk about that very soon. Because I I am really interested. Um, A lot of it, it falls into the question of why are we still focusing on the 90s content for movie uh, concepts and stories? With all this new concept, with the exception of like uh, Civil War and maybe like a few other slide things, everything's been based on stuff that's happened in the '90s. So it's just it'll be interesting to see like when X Men the movie come out, which storyline are they going to be basing it on? Is it going to be based on the '60s? Is it going to be based on the '90s? Is it going to be based on this new House of X type of thing? Um, How would they be introduced into the world? You know, stuff like that. It's going to be really interesting how they put that together in the movie um, aspect, but we need something huge in comic books to bring people back because there's been a shortage of comic book enthusiasts out there. The fandom is not as strong. People don't want to admit that, but the fandom is not as strong for comic books as what it used to be. Uh, it is really it's really obvious that it is, and people aren't you know, like talking about it as much as you would like to, as you want them to. It just hasn't. I mean, because the movies have been taken up, but I think the lack of readership is also diluted the lack of common sense and intelligence in this world too. There needs to be I think reading will help people want to read more about not just comic books but anything. And there's been a lot less of that and you can tell by going on social media. And <laughs> when people only read headlines and not the articles and ah oh god there's some bad articles out there and this is the people who focus on the headlines are blockheads. You know, you got people who focus on headlines and thinking like, oh, the Defenders is coming back. No, have you read the article? You could tell this is clickbait. <laughs> you could tell that this crap is clickbait. Defenders is not coming back out. In fact, you should have read the date of this article as well because it's outdated. Stuff like that. So if comic books are coming back and people start reading more thoroughly again, I think it will... It will transition over to other things and people will start really paying attention more I really do think that so uh, I digress I haven't even talked about Arrow yet you know speaking of Titans and Deathstroke Arrow returned this week and it's it's the beginning of the final episode so this is the big one and what better way to start off but then with a throwback of what made the show so hot in the first place and that was the first season technically Oliver travel to earth Two in search of someone who may be a threat to the crisis that is coming i believe that is my understanding oliver traveled there alone and uh, makes his family believe that he survived the wreckage you remember earth two there's a lot of different things happening earth two everything that happened to earth two um and earth one didn't happen earth two so there's some slight changes and who's alive and who's dead here earth 2 oliver is actually dead and the hood is actually of all people prometheus so that's an interesting aspect there in this episode too they actually show the island and noticed the sight of bruce wayne's batman cow hinting that he was in the island and maybe not oliver which also gives a hint of what happened to him On the Batwoman series. Because they're searching. uh, What is it? Kate Kane is trying to find out what happened to Bruce. Or um, Fox is trying to find out what happened to Bruce. uh, Along with also. You know what's going on with her sister Alice. So that is going to lead in. I think a lot of that is going to lead into what happened to their. um, To their Batman in that area too. So is Batman still alive? Is Bruce Wayne still alive? We'll see. It's going to be very interesting. But. That uh, that's that I thought that was really intriguing. It was like a short pan of the camera in the island and they showed his uh, cow there. So there's the connection of Batwoman and that thing. I thought it was really cool. Diggle somehow finds out about him and travels to Earth 2 as well and decides to join him and find out exactly what's going on. And I like that scene because, you know, everything that's happening, you think, and it's still Earth 2 and Diggle comes in and doing the same thing that he did on the first season which was be a security guard and for some reason Mira who is still alive in this in this earth so it was great to see Mira uh Oliver's mom back in there also Tommy is back as well and Malcolm is back in a whole new different thing, aspect so she hires Diggle which is what you saw in the first episode and Oliver's like oh I got to go through this again cuz if you guys remember in the first season Oliver and Diggle their relationship when they first started it was like i don't need him i can take care of myself so he started trying to you know he kept finding ways to get away from him and and flee away only this is future diggle he knows better now and he knows how to uh, keep him in so that's how oliver knew that it was like oh that's oh you're you're actually my diggle so they had a bit of a conversation and uh Diggle, I mean, he didn't want to tell Diggle, and Diggle's trying to remind him, like, this is, don't be the Oliver of old. You know, you have friends now who are looking out for you regardless. And Oliver just believes that, you know, from when he was told by the monitor that it's inevitable that he's going to die. And Diggle doesn't believe that. He believes that there's a way that you could change your own fate. So this is, I like this because they're going to try to keep you uh enticed with the idea of there's a possibility that oliver can actually come out of this alive so this will be interesting to see what happens but as the monitor said he saw him die we don't know to what extent so we'll see then there is the black hood who we thought was malcolm merlin because in earth one malcolm merlin is the black hood and there and uh not to mention Malcolm Merlin, speaking of which, is actually married to Oliver's mom, Mira, who we remember we seen killed by Slade in Earth 2. That was, God, that episode alone. I can't, dude, uh, that episode, I think that was what, episode four of season two was one of the absolute best. I still just, hey, it was one of the best episodes. I Just talking about that episode was just, wow, this changed the game. This changed the game really uh when Slay started revealing who the hell he was to them and everything, and it just got crazy from that point on. And um, but nonetheless, she is alive here. Tommy's still alive here, but they're mourning and 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 told Oliver that the person who died was Thea, which kind of sucks because on Earth One, she was kind of a drug addict. And she was a recovering drug addict, which is funny because I never they never showed her in rehab or anything in there through that phase. But in this world, Oliver wasn't there to save her and she died of her overdose on her birthday. Unfortunately, Uh, the twist here to this is that the Black Hood was not Malcolm Merlin, but in fact, Tommy, who was trying to destroy the city as he grieves for Thea. So that was interesting. Uh, when all is said and done, uh, Oliver Diggle and Black Siren, who appeared, who remember, returned to, Black, uh, to Earth Two, uh, flees Earth Two, or, um, flees out of Earth Two to go to Earth One because all of Earth Two was being destroyed. At, and unfortunately, he got, he saw Tommy. And, they, and the, the cool part is, they did their own version of the Thanos snap uh, special effect on here. So, you know, once again, they uh, look. The Arrowverse is nothing but the formula of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So why not <laughs> take the special effects that they use for Thanos fading away and try to and make it their own? But it's 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 very reminiscent of that. But they, um, you know, pretty much got Earth 2 got Thanos snapped <laughs> in a sense. And this led to them leaving the entire area, going back to Earth 1. So all, the only survivors here, as so far as we know, is Oliver... Diggle and Black Siren, who flees to Earth um, as it's been destroyed, at least that portion of it. Now, granted, if I'm remembering correct, no, that's right. Supergirl and on Earth 3. So Earth 3 is okay, and that means also it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's a whole weird thing. But um, this leads me to believe that uh, they'll be doing a spinoff on this show, too, because they also have... If you guys remember, they doing a they doing a flashbacks, but it's of uh, the future. Well, it's not really a flashback; it's a future uh, scenes of the kids, which was I didn't mention as well. So they actually show them fighting a future Deathstroke as well. I really do believe that they are doing a spinoff for this show, and all the everything that happened in these episodes is leading to that as well. I actually do hope hope they do because I like the characters from the future. And I hope that they do some type of Batman Beyondish type of thing. And take note that there is a comic book that was announced for based upon the characters of this series of the of the um, of these future scenes that they're showing, called uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries. And uh, they show Black and uh, Black Siren in there as well as um, Oliver and Felicity's daughter in there as well. So. Uh, It is going to be interesting how they go about it because they have all of the... William is a part of the group. William, who is Oliver's son. Um, They got, you know, his daughter in there. They got Diggle's son. Um, They got... uh, What's his name? Uh, Not Remy. Uh, God, I forgot his name. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that those two. Those two. Uh, I forgot his name. Jeez. Uh, it's blanking out on me but two of the arrow team arrow was also working for malcolm um was working for malcolm uh not telling malcolm it was working for tommy as well so they end up getting arrested as well but all of them end up fading away you know at, at the end of this so i don't know what they're doing with the with the with these scenes with the uh kids of the future and felicity and all that i don't know what they're doing with that storyline if this is leading to a whole new series i hope it does because it's like what's the point of it because it doesn't at the moment connect connect with anything that's going on in the uh in the nor- in the present time and anyway i'm i'm really thinking that whether they're going to connect in some way or they're going to do a series based upon the show and i really hope they do because It'll be awesome to see that uh, happen as well. Like a, a good spinoff to the series, uh, yet another spinoff to the series would be awesome too. So uh, that I, I really enjoyed both these episodes uh, this week. Those were the highlight episodes. Flash was actually great as well, and uh, but if and Black uh, Black Lightning, Ugh, these these shows, the, the lead-in. all of this is all connecting and leading into the crisis on Infinite Earth. And so far, they're doing a great job. Forgot when Legends of Tomorrow is coming out, but. That'll be coming soon. It'd be really interesting to see where that goes from here. There's this, this going to be so much going on. So uh, it's going to be a lot. IGN.com, actually, they, in connection to all this, they reported that uh, Steven Lobo uh, will be casted as Jim Corgan, a.k.a. The Spectre, in, a, in the huge crossover Crisis on Infinite Earth coming December. Now, if you guys remember... And I'm really glad that they're bringing him out. This is a different character. This is a different actor playing this role. Because if you guys remember, or if anybody's watched that show, the Constantine series that was on NBC, the now defunct series, which you can now see also on uh, the DC Universe app as well, all those episodes. The character was originally set to appear uh, in that series before it got canceled, and they never did it. They it, they never pulled the trigger with it. They never had a chance to pull the trigger with it. He was supposed to come. Spectre was supposed to come, as well as uh, Doctor Fate. And I was really mad about that. I was so pissed off. NBC, because NBC, if I'm correct, you no, know, CBS had Supergirl, and it sucked. The first season of that sucked because CBS did not know what to do with it. The minute that Greg, uh, Greg Belante took it and he brought it to the CW. They saved that show's lifespan. I mean, incredible. I wish they would have did the same for Constantine because Constantine was really a good show. But NBC and CBS tried to get into the industry and doesn't didn't know what the hell they doing. Goes to show that it takes a particular type of talent of team to put this together, and they just couldn't do it. Like they tried to get the the, the uh, demographic, the comic book demographic in there and and that, and that fandom. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't handle it, man. So I was really I was really happy that uh, Constantine came into the Arrowverse and they brought him in and they supported that because they knew also that they was, it was BS. Same with Swamp Thing. I don't understand why they canceled Swamp Thing. It was a hell of a great series. And they just, I think they dropped the ball majorly on what they could have done with that. So I, I, I just it just bothers me with that, but nonetheless uh, he's coming in. There's rumors that a lot of other people coming in. There's also there was also rumors of Titans coming in, but there's no real legit source coming from that. And please, people, again, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Please, when you read these web articles online, if they're not referencing. And I had to talk about this to somebody online yesterday. If they're not referencing any source of where this coming from, there's no actual confirmation from the actual people that has said it. If there's no source connected to it, any links or source connected to it, please do not consider this as, as I hate this word, as canon or, don't, or, or legit. These articles, there's some clickbait articles out there. There's some really crappy websites are, uh, out there that... Their sources are not legit and this is the part where I'm talking about how people aren't reading thoroughly they're reading they're reading the headlines and not exactly understanding how to really search for truth within these articles if they say that you know well variety.com has and then they have a link to variety.com where the actual link is to and i trust variety.com because they're a really big exclusive uh website and source tmz really good source um ew entertainment weekly really good source ign really good source they interview a lot of people they are in tune and you're connected to a lot of people in here really good source you know if 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 people if you're talking to people who have really like if i am gonna say something and say some news based upon i'm best to sure have the source to it like if i because i know people in industry i've had people on the show and there are some things i can reach out to people and get confirmation from so best believe i'm not going to say anything if i don't have the source for it you have to look at these articles um, even if you watch it on the news, even if they talk about it on the news, you still got to do your more, you got to do more research. Cause that's just five minutes of a segment in there that you're, that you, there's so much more news to it. You got to use your critical thinking and use critical thinking, meaning don't just rush in and believe. Think about it for a minute. Who wrote this? Where are the sources? Where does this connect to? You know, this is what you know, when you when you're in college, you read you do term papers. They ask you to do that. You got to make sure you have the sources. Make sure you write them all down where the sources come from, have links or whatever to it. You got to know you can't just believe everybody. You know, there are certain sources that are legit, that are confirmed, that actually interview people to actually talk to people. Some of these don't. And when they have certain articles out there and people just reading the headlines, but not reading the articles to realize how much of a clickbait they are. You know, that that's how things mess up. This is the problem with Facebook right now, why they're having all these, you know, tr- all this trouble with people posting fake articles. I don't want to say that term, but they're posting fake articles with inf- or in um, misinformation. And it's a ton of it out there. There's no backup to it. So please use critical thinking. Look for source articles and source information within these articles and, and, and news and and. YouTube as well. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there as well. That also, it's like, okay, this YouTube clip came out and they're talking about it. But where are their sources from? If they have a source of where this article is from, that's fine. Uh, if, if 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 it's not, it look. And I forgot to mention another one, Twitter. If it's not trending on Twitter, that's another red flag as to whether this article is real or not. Like, I remember reading this article on a particular website that I'm not going to mention because they're a piece of crap. They're full of crap. Um, That generates a lot. Generates a lot, believe it or not. But people... This is the the stupidity of our society right now is that they don't fact check. They wrote that the Defenders was coming out. I remember somebody posted this on our ACMG Facebook group. And lo and behold, they turned out... I looked at this. I read the article. First of all, it was dated back months ago and by now we should have heard this information like it should have been trending everywhere because that's a big deal that because the defenders were canceled and they were talking about bringing it back it's been it was like october 2018 it was like i read this like seven eight months prior to that and nothing has popped up So so that definitely was one. And within it, the article said, well, our sources said, but it never said what the sources is or whatever like that. So I'm like, no, you're full of crap. And then the writing of the actual article was also crap. It was like that of a it was like a freshman high school level uh, essay writing. You know, that's what it came off like. The writing in there was ah, it was it was less than you know from there so it was like a bunch of that that to me was it it, it, the 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 articulation of that article was just beneath anything i've ever read and i it just come on people we got to we got to think thoroughly there's a lot of people who want to believe that they're smart they want to portray that they're smart but they don't do smart things to prove that they are so please let's really do our due diligence and really fact check and really read thoroughly these articles because a lot of them are are bs so that's all i want to say about that let's go into some other news here deadpool co-writer paul wernick confirmed to ew (laughs) you hear what i'm saying right now (laughs) the co-writer paul wernick confirmed to entertainment weekly that marvel has promised to allow them to confirm imp to play an r-rated deadpool universe in hopes that they will also allow them to assimilate into the marvel cinematic universe now when i saw this article i made sure that this fact check there was links to ew ew interviewed these interviewed uh the the co-writer that's what i'm talking about people he goes on to say that they collectively agree on what ideas that great idea is they'll be off to the races so they're still in talks right now it appears uh but they said most likely they're willing to want to do it as long as it makes sense to what they're doing in hopes that they can add it on i thought deadpool 2 was brilliant alone because they in a sense they kind of knew what was going on when they were making that film so they they managed to do it in a way that it can easily tie in to anything that's going on in the marvel cinematic universe by mentioning some of the people in the marvel cinematic universe so they if you if they bring deadpool in if they absolutely bring deadpool in and then they get, it be, it, there's so many cool things about how they could bring deadpool in and still connected to deadpool 2 and even 1 to some extent because of what what was said and what ryan riddle said in the jokes that he was talking about in that movie which connected to that universe it was really awesomely done <laughs> it was made to be a joke but it was like okay he mentions certain people in a marvel cinematic universe okay that was brilliant you know you know that they're coming you know that this merger happening so why not slickly like like really slick you know enter your way in in a certain way so i thought that was brilliant um so i'm looking i'm hoping that that's the case and i think it will i think they will because Deadpool's so he's so awesome of a character that and he's a moneymaker. we it's been proven like he's one of the biggest moneymakers that fox has had in a, in a long a since logan so uh that is highly evident of that so we'll see talks in hollywood uh has for some reason really been prominent about roles of actors uh that may be portraying um here this week iron fist actress Jessica Henwick, if you guys watched her, she played uh, Colleen Wynn, uh, is in talks to play the lead role in, in The Matrix 4. That will be very interesting. This was, I believe, was reported by uh, IGN, if I'm correct. But, it's, I mean, it's only talks. Now, see, here's the thing. In talks does not mean evident. It just means in talks. They can go into a room. They can meet up. They can have talks. It doesn't mean that she's going to get it. It just means that they're in talks. That's it nothing to it. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. So you got to remember, a lot of times people read these articles and think that in talks means that it's going to happen. No, it's an audition. It's a possibility. Their agent talks to their other people, see what happens. You know, if this does happen, I would be all for it. And they're talking elite, Lee. There's been talk about Lee character. So I liked her in Iron Fist. She was one of the most endearing characters in there. She really played her role really well and she played a really dominant character she is athletic she can do her thing i i think this would be absolutely awesome to see a female you know character now take on the role that neo played in here and now she's continuing where he left off I, I like that idea also also uh was that was said to be playing here uh as well is uh oh, not in matrix four but and i don't want to go down i'll talk about that as well uh because i want to talk about the people who are in talks right now of being in movies meanwhile variety.com reports that paul dano take note never seen this guy i don't recall ever seeing this guy in a movie before maybe he has and i haven't just noticed but paul dano may be in talks to be the main villain in robert pattinson's version of the batman now rumors has it that dano could possibly be the riddler if you look at the guy, he does look very Riddler-esque, if you will. So I, I look, it's whatever. Because we don't know right now. I'm, I'm putting my head off as whether, I don't know. I never really saw Robert Pattinson in any movies because I never watched the Twilight movies. So there is a bunch of heartthrob teens back, a few years back. There are probably adults now who probably love this guy. Um, there are also people who don't like this guy. It's a mixed thing. So I just know that this is one of those situations where, you just gotta wait and see. Maybe see if a trailer comes out, see if it, the trailer is enticing enough to wanna do it, to check it out or not. There have been many times where people felt that people weren't gonna make the part, and then they we see the trailers and then it, it excites us, and then we see the movie and then we're like, we were totally pegged wrong. Michael Keaton is one of those guys who was one of the biggest examples of, wait. Michael Keaton, the com- comedic actor? Really? Dude became one of the best Batmans ever. <laughs> Still is ranked as one of the, arguably, as one of the Batmans ever, you know, after playing that role. So, you never know. This is one of those you got to sit back and check it out, you know? Um, Robert Patton's record of good films. I don't know. I have no clue. I have no saying this. I just, I'm just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen when this comes out in theaters and when we see a trailer that's all i i I can't even say whether i have never watched one twilight whatever and i had had no desire to watch that or krista stewart at all at all at all just no (laughs) so we'll see but uh we'll we'll see how they what they're portraying zoe kravitz on the other hand is in fact cast to play catwoman in this movie the batman so Kravitz will once again become a comic book character and join the league of distinguished Catwomen actresses uh, that grace the big screen, including Anne Hathaway, Holly Berry, who unfortunately, not to her abilities, but to the writing, played the worst uh, Catwoman ever. Uh, and what many people believe is the greatest Catwoman ever, and that is Michelle Pfeiffer. Let me tell you, I just watched, uh, just I watched Just Nation, and i um, Andrew Floring always interviews some of the coolest people and I think Maleficent is coming out the second one I believe Michelle Pfeiffer is in that movie and they interviewed her she still looks phenomenal she looks absolutely breathtaking and fantastic she looked like she could put on that Catwoman suit and do it all over again it is just she man that Catwoman portrayal was still to this day was absolutely the greatest I mean not just from big screen I'm talking movie like Eartha Kitt and her, like, I think are tied as far as the greatest Catwoman ever. But my goodness, dude, Michelle Pfeiffer, still on point, still on point. Um, Actors are very happy and supportive of uh, her, but there are also some people who try to have some beef about her. Even in our uh, ACMG Facebook group, there was some, you know, beef about her. And it was like we thought it was it was a discussion because the guy didn't, you know, reply back fast enough. And we were wondering, like, is this a race thing? Because God, Earth and Kit, for God's sake, come on. And uh, but I'm I'm all for this. Zoe Kravitz, I think this is I honestly, this is probably this is a big role. <coughs> Excuse me. This is actually a quite a big role for uh, her because that is a very iconic character. That is a, a very iconic and empowering character female character in the comic book universe that has absolutely reached crossover fame as well so i am looking i'm very interested because this is this is actually i don't think this is exactly a make it or break it type of role for her because she's been on so many other movies and really good movies as well she's kind of like this generation's Liv tyler and i say it because i mean Liv tyler is steve tyler steven tyler's daughter who became an actress and had some really prominent roles herself she was also Betty Ross on the, um Incredible Hawk movie which I thought she was really did really well um, but she's also uh, Zoe Kravitz has also been in some prominent roles too She first time I believe a lot of people have really put notice and she's been on the radar people was when X-Men First Class which was said to be a good film by many and uh, she didn't appear in the second one exactly she was uh, I guess mutilated in the second movie they had pictures of her in there but she's been in a lot of other great movies quality movies at that with some other and shared the screen with some really established talent as well so there's a lot of people supporting her as well including her stepfather jason momoa so how will she rank up time will tell that like i said this is a make it a break it role for her in a sense that this role can rather put her in a play it could put her in the even ground of where she's at i don't think if she does if she does doesn't do as good of a job in this i don't think it's going to take her down a peg i think she's going to keep her on the level but if she does a really good job with this this can take her this is skyrocket her career this is one of those roles that can actually skyrocket her career so it's rather she stays on the level or she steps it up because this is going to be one of those roles uh those roles that people are going to take notice of so and this is going to be the the chemistry and connection to her and robert pattinson uh robert pattinson that's going to be interesting that's going to be interesting to see how their chemistry because batman and catwoman had this intimate connection with each other and you saw that in many different roles you know christian bell and hathaway were pretty good um what was it what was it what was it was it um uh, michael keaton and um, Michelle Pfeiffer were outstanding in that role, and you got other roles too. I mean, like the, from the game, from the you know, from the actual car, uh, animated series. You know, you got to keep that momentum going, so that's gonna play a big factor there. Also, who has conc- landed a concrete role in uh, in a movie in particular? Going back to the Matrix Four, Neil Patrick Harris, one of my favorite actors. What of my this dude is so awesome it is so freaking awesome variety.com reports that the famed doogie hauser and how i met your mother actor will uh, be in the latest installment no plot details have been revealed nor any information as to what harris's role will be in the film as of yet will he be a good guy or will he be part of the matrix itself trying to take out uh, whoever is going to be the lead role here. So I am all for that. That is awesome. Neil Patrick Harris is one of the, God, this is one of the, he's one of the best actors out right now that I do not think has gotten a Golden Globe or a, I don't know if he got an Emmy. I don't know what awards he, I don't think he, I, I got to go and look to see and check and see what if he's been, I know he's probably got a Tony award and stuff like that. He's hosted the Tonys many a times. So I'm pretty sure he, if he didn't get a Tony Award, that that to me is, the dude is awesome. The dude is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I loved him as Barney. Loved him as Barney. He made it so convincing that, like, he was the best ladies' man in the world in <laughs> that thing. So uh, he, he's just all, and Doogie Howser, for God's sake, he's iconic. So, folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break. Come back and talk about my review of Wonder Woman Bloodlines. We're going to do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics, movies, and games, such as...
1: This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go!
0: Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, and it's not a drag do it and now it's time for our top topic of the week ready Alright folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week and it is my review of Wonder Woman Bloodlines, the latest DC animated film starring Wonder Woman and not Batman. Uh, this one in particular, there's no Batman in this movie at all, so for those who are tired of seeing a Batman movie or Batman appear anywhere, this not. despite the fact that his movies are always awesome, this is a standalone movie for her, uh, which is connected to the DC animated universe, their new 52 universe that they've developed Uh, Because this is the second Wonder Woman movie that I believe they made. The first one, I believe, was a standalone movie in itself. It wasn't connected to anything, uh, which kind of told the story of how Diana became Wonder Woman. This one, the difference between this one is that this is connected to the DC Universe that they've created... And now it is telling, retelling the story briefly. I might add, it didn't hammer us down with that, which I liked. The fact, and they just had to bring it up in a certain cases for the new generation of people who watch these um, animated films. And much like they did with uh, the death of Superman, because the death of Superman was also remade and connected and made to connect to the DC uh, cinematic universe or animated universe that they had here. And that's why they did it. Plus, the last one wasn't as good. This, the, the later version of Death of Superman was much better in comparison. And they decided to do it again. And this, uh, DC, this latest film briefly retells the story of how she left Venezuela to help Steve Trevor face the danger of what Diana calls Man's World. As you know, because of her decision, she was banned from the land of the Amazons never to return. That's always what they say. She became a diplomat and ambassador and uh you know for the for the for Fentiscara, uh to help bring peace to both worlds, to all, the entire world. Uh Diana met with a with a Dr. Julia Capitellus, which who was played by Nia uh Vardalis, uh who was damn near fanatic at the appearance of the Amazonian princess. And you know, the minute I mean she was so and 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 like at all of her like totally infatuated with her in this uh in this entire film so much so that she neglected her daughter Vanessa played by Maria uh Avgaropoulos and trust me I had to really practice this Maria Avgaropoulos I thought I was gonna be able to say it easier than I heard it pronounced but I had it was like it's one of those names where you see a combination of letters never put together before, so you don't know how to pronounce it. So I had to really research how to pronounce and it. it is Avgaropoulos is how it's pronounced. So Maria Avgaropoulos, can't say that five times, <laughs> plays the role of Vanessa, who is the daughter of uh, Dr. Julia Capitellus, uh, And she's totally neglected in this entire film, and it's sad. You really feel bad for Vanessa, um, who, who wanted nothing more. Tend to be acknowledged and accepted by her mother. Yeah, you just see that right through, and you start if you have a heart, you start feeling really bad for her. You you feel for her, and you start resenting the mom a bit because of how she's acting. She's really not paying attention to her daughter and any any of her accolades or whatever she's achieved. It, it was just really amazing. You know, you you have this bright young, you know, uh, young girl who wants to have. A connection with her mom who wants her mom to be proud like any child. And Julia, Dr. Julia, just she's just in trance of Diana and her being a princess and her wanting to learn more about Fennascara and wanting to work with her to become, you know, to have more a more diplomatic plan to bring peace and such. And this is and and like Vanessa's just in a shadow she's working hard to get her mom to notice her including getting even getting straight A's and her grades and her tests and everything mom just not even take acknowledge of it she rips the uh, report card up or the test up or the, it's the report card up and just I, I can't blame her <laughs> I can't blame her for the direction that this is going and the minute I saw that I was like I knew she's going to be the villain of this. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. She's going to be the villain of this entire movie, And all because of this. It it it's it's so obvious. Um, so it is a little bit of telegraphic. <laughs> it's telegraphing the situation, if you will. Really, kind of, in a sense, a little bit formulaic, but not in a bad way. Um, this leads Vanessa down a dark path, as you would expect, and included a new gothic appearance, like that's what people that's what kids do when you I, I I know from experience I used I've done some stupid things to get attention from my parents who, uh, who eventually broke up and I just felt like I wasn't paying notice and I was just getting attention I got into the worst the worst trouble that you could possibly imagine I mean yeah it, it if you think of it it's happened it <laughs> almost us not everything, but I didn't, thank goodness I didn't go down the path that Vanessa went down, but I, I get it. And that's why I, I really enjoyed her character a lot in this, um, in this movie. Because I've been there. I haven't been nearly as down as to what she's about to do in this movie, but I've been there. So, and all this is from a lack of caring, and a lack of attention, you know? It it really, it really does to help. Like, parents... If you're watching this movie and you're looking at this, this is this should really, really take an understanding. Like, yeah, it won't get to the point of where this movie is going, but it can go. Your kids can. It's very impressionable. They really do rely on your attention at all times. Please give them the if you want to, if you chose to become a parent, if you chose to become a parent or even if you didn't, and it just happened. You had the responsibility to really give the kids the love that they need and be stern as well but you can't like have one way over the other you got to try to balance it off and i'm saying this and i'm not i'm not a parent but i was a kid and i was a kid who got into some really bad situations due to the situations that happen in my within my parents and our family it happens it is legit and we as a kid kids are not stupid they fill the dark void they understand clearly of What's going on? They will. It will traumatize them. You have to. You absolutely have to. You know, make sure. Even if you, whether you're single, broke, if you're just a parent in general, it doesn't mean that you have to be together. Or whatever it helps. It helps greatly. But it. You see situations like what happened here, man. And luckily, we don't have situations that happen over here because people be in a lot of trouble, especially this day and age. You know, all these kids and everything's going on in this world. It's just crazy. So. This led her to a dark path. She's got this new goth of parents for the lack just and just has a lack of caring anymore. It's just really sad. Um, years later, Julia who, who is, I guess, she never really failed her grades or whatever. Like, is she still pursued because she started working. She, I guess, she grew up and worked for some really important, um, as a scientist or whatever. Like, I, I really don't understand what she was doing, but they never really explained it or they had enough time to explain it as much. But years later, she returned. Julia returned, Dr. Julia returned to Diana. Uh, This is far beyond uh, later on when she became part of the Justice League and and such like that. And um, she visited Diana in order to ask for her help, to seek her help to find Vanessa because she felt Vanessa was in danger. Vanessa apparently was negotiating a deal with the likes of Dr. Poison, played by Courtney Taylor, uh, who was looking for an item that she had. Uh, Quickly, Wonder Woman interfered and broke and uh, and went into battle and broke out the whole battle broke out which led to the death of julia in front of vanessa vanessa left the t- in total anger after this whole situation after seeing her mom die in her hands and even worse the worst part about this all and forgive me if you if you haven't watched this yet and you want to watch this and don't want to be spoiled entirely turn it off and wait but if you're trying to figure out if you want to know whether I like this movie or not or whether it's worth watching, stick around. But the really crazy part, even then, I think this is re- really threw her off, is when her mom died, when Dr. Juliet died, the last words that came out of her mouth was Diana and not Vanessa. Even though Vanessa held her while she was dying. I cannot blame Vanessa for going the route that she has uh, that she is gone in this movie and it took her in a dark path to the point that that path could have been the death of Diana and Vencara itself. It gets way crazy after that but all of that stem from how Julia treated her daughter from beginning to end. And I thought that as the story goes, the story was really good. It was very simple, easy to follow, didn't beat you over the head. Um, It really led into the understanding of what happens when parents neglect kids and don't encourage them enough and don't embrace them enough. And that's where the story is here and where it led off to, and it somehow just spun Into making it Diana. And Diana, throughout this whole entire thing, was just trying to. She saw what was going on. She saw how her mom was being the way she was. And she saw how Vanessa was feeling. And she was trying to be the person in the middle. But Vanessa only saw a bit of jealousy. She really wanted to like uh, Diana too. But there was a lot of resentment because of the way her mom was treating Diana. You know, she treated her like the daughter that she always wanted, apparently. that's That was obvious. And it, it, it's, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Although this movie was a bit formulaic of what we see in every Wonder Woman film, this one took a different direction that led to some really epic and fun moments in this. So sometimes, even though some things can be, like, typical, it doesn't mean that it's not good. Sometimes formulaic can be a good thing if it's done right uh rosario dawson once again as far as standout performances this wasn't honestly really wasn't really that much standout performances but just by default uh rosario dawson once again embraces the character for me uh i feel like she assimilates more and more to this character every time she plays diana in one of these films i think she's totally she is wonder woman at this point in you know behind a booth or in person Barna, mm-hmm. Chris Summers' voice always stands out to me in a good way. I didn't even know she was in. I didn't check IMDb until I until I heard her voice, and I was like, "Oh, that's her, <laughs> Cree Summers, who you guys may know uh, from a different world, mostly." Uh, and you know, she her first gig, I believe, her first voice gig, if I'm correct, she played Elmira from Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, right at right during or after she was doing uh, Tiny Toons. and she just never stopped doing voice acting she's been tremendous ever since i haven't i have not seen uh kree summers do anything any live action anything like she's totally in now so but she's fantastic at it and i think that's why she loves it so much she's been in so many great uh tv shows uh she's worked for dc animated films and warner brothers for um for so long and she just awesome she is absolutely awesome at this i love her voice whenever it is and whenever her voice brings uh, it there's a presence belong you know it, it's just awesome uh this was no different she her presence was strongly felt uh, as she played the character medusa and uh hippo uh hippo light uh, lita i believe doesn't it the name is so i i really appreciate it i really appreciate her talent in there she does really well uh, Haggard, a witch on Voltron. She was perfect for her. I mean, just absolutely perfect for that role. And I, she, I, when she does uh, an animated show, she, she, her, it's it elevates it to me. So I absolutely love it there. Virtually everybody in the movie did really well in their roles. Didn't really stand out per, per se, but they really um, drew me into the story. Except for one. Except for one. I really liked this actress, too. Uh, Adrian... C. Moore, who I love and actually hate the character, uh, respectfully, her character in Orange is the New Black. Uh, she played the role of Etta Candy. Now, for those who are fans of this series, they know that the character Etta Candy was originally a white character. They race-swapped her. However, in this universe, she is... Uh, this Edda is... Also a strong, charismatic, openly proud woman of color who is a member of the LGBTQ community, which is awesome. All aspects are awesome. While I like the diverse direction they went with Etta for this universe, I felt that the choice for the voice was the wrong choice. So she just something about her voice to me. And that's just me. This is I am not dictating anything of for anybody to take in you you have your own opinions about it but for me when i listened to her i just felt that it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in a sense that i didn't think the voice embraced the character's persona as i felt like with the other voices it just it just felt and i remember i remember have um i remember uh, cuz I, I don't believe i she's been in a lot of you know voice acting movies either um or, or uh, a series. I, I, I don't recall. I have to look at her IMDb uh, resume. But I remember interviewing Molly Flanagan, and we were talking about how, uh, in, which you can find in uh, the exclusive page of TalkTimeLive.com, uh, one of the interviews that I had with her. I believe it may be. No, it was the third. It was the, recent, it was the last interview that I had with Molly. And we talked about, I believe that was the case, we talked about how, you know, you got your normal, you got your uh, established Uh, actors who do voices for films um for animated movies or animated tv shows or anime and then you got celebrities that they bring along every so often and sometimes the the actual actors you know the live action actors the really aidless actors or whatever you want to call it comes in and tries to put in their voice for a you know a particular project it doesn't live up because doing voice acting is a little bit different than it's a it's a whole different technique. It's a whole different type of it's an established, a even more intricate, established art form than just your normal uh, acting. And I kind of understand what she sees, what she meant by that now. It's like not everybody could do it. And it takes takes a particular charismatic type of person to put it together. Like Molly does great with Naruto. Kyle Bear does – Kyle Bear, and I mentioned this before, and I mentioned this at the um, Overwatch panel. Kyle Bear and Fred Tatasciore are just outstanding doing voices, you know, stuff like that. You really have to understand how to really put those voices together and the philosophy and how that's done. It's, it's, it's a philosophy, it's a structure, it's an art, it's a science in a sense. And I just feel like, you know – you know, Moore's portrayal of Eddie Candy just didn't fill it. It just didn't really do it for me. It kind of really, it, it took me out of the experience, whereas all the other voices brought me in to the story and experience of it. So that was kind of my only deal. Now, Moore is a great actor, and I felt just, uh, uh, you just, she, in all aspects, she is a great actor. Uh, I just feel like maybe, maybe she can probably do more and she'll develop more or it just I, I don't know I don't know it just and not only I just felt like she was just talking her own voice and she wasn't in character it's just like she just used her own voice to, like whereas like Cree Summers I'll give you that example Cree Summers although Cree Summers I, if you watch A Different World you know how she sounds but she can change her voice to meet whatever she needs she really gets into character and I felt like I felt like Adrian Moore uh, was just doing lines that's what it felt like. It, sounded, it just sounded like she was just doing lines from the script that she was doing, but it was no character. There was no charisma in that character at all. Uh, you know, I do like the. I, I like again. I like the concept that they added a diverse, you know, woman of color in this, but it just to me, it just didn't. It, it you know, her voice just didn't work with it, uh, in my opinion. So, um, I did, however. Like the scenes near the end where she wanted to visit Veniscare, uh, to try and shoot her shot with a bunch of Amazon women. And then by the end of the, she racked up two of them and the look on her face was priceless in there. I loved it. Like when they all did the celebratory scene, like almost kind of similar to what Star Wars was. You see her grabbing like two women on her like she about to get she about to get down. I thought that was a really great part, uh, scene right there at the end. Um, this also answers the question too, with having Edie um, be a lesbian and a character, and there's been, all, there's been talk a while back, especially when the super, uh, when the Wonder Woman movie came out that Gail Gadot uh, did. This answers a lot of questions. People were wondering, were there, uh, you know, love? Were there intimacy? What is their intimacy, uh, you know, relationships, intimate relationships, and Venuscair because it's all females, it's all, and it kind of what makes sense for them to do so. Well, this answers the question here because um, that inquiry has been answered by this this movie. Venuscair absolutely have you know the women do fall in love with each other over there, so and they braced each other, uh, each other intimately. So that answers that question. Like there, overall, I enjoyed this movie. It wasn't the best DC animated movie, nor does it need to be. Every movie that comes out doesn't have to be the best of them all in order to enjoy them. They just have to be, have a good story. They just have to entertain you. They just have to be fun. Whether, if if they, it turns out that it's the best, then fantastic. That's fantastic for all of us fans. But at the end of the day, the plan of action is, or the plan of execution for that matter, is for me or anybody. Uh, as to whether, you know, they told a good story. And I felt that they told a good story, especially when you added the element of Julia and Vanessa into it, because that really played a really great role. And I, I actually appreciated that a lot just because I've been there. I'm sure a lot of people have been there before. So I, I like, I love the moral of the story. You know, this is one of those things. This is a, this, to me is a movie that you can, you can sit down with the family and have your kids and your family your parents can learn from this as well now granted you won't turn evil and we don't have a ways of becoming cybernetic or anything to try to terrorize and kill people but by the end it's like don't make sure that you you know give a damn about your kids a little bit more make sure that they don't go down a, a, bad, a bad road you know try to encourage try to do what you can to you know you know to to put more positive energy into it and I know there's a lot of great parents out there but there's some that don't there's some who there are parents out there who want to be parents there are also parents who just have to be parents because they fell into a situation that they originally didn't want to go into but they have to do so and to those people I say you need to jump you need to become a parent you need to you know, own up to your deal. You are, and if not, just you know, put them up for a. Ado- I hate to say it, but put them up for adoption because I'm hoping somebody else can absolutely you know bring love to the child better than you can. And I think that if you do that, you'll love the child even more because of it. Um, I just I just feel like the way that you're going to be treating the kid really reflects on the direction that you're going to go. And that's absolutely true. So this was a very good story and telling of that. And that was kind of the subplot of the story in my, in my case. I, I really enjoyed that. So this, uh, you know, it just turns out that, like this is uh, this was, uh, to me, a good story. And I like the animation. I love the character development. I love the character design, as always. I mean, it's like to the point now, I, I can't even talk about the animation and character development because it's always top quality it's absolutely always top quality this is some of the best of um you know the animation that u.s can come out to this is and by the way this is not anime this is animation i there's a whole nother discussion i need to have about why people are using the term anime for everything now it's not it's just not it's just not like I'm pointing the finger at uh, Viz Media and Powerhouse Animation with the new animated series that uh, that's on Netflix, which is phenomenal. It's tremendous. But they clear it as an anime. I'm like looking at this thing like, this is no way, shape, or form an anime. <laughs> no way, shape, or form is this is an anime. Just because you call it an anime doesn't mean it. There's a certain cultural aspect in art to the term. So... And it looks like... And that looks like this. So, like... And I know they're not trying to say this is an anime. This is... They have... DC has animated movies and anime anime movies as well. This is an animation. An American-style animation. That's the way we're putting it. Regardless of who made it, this is the style that they're doing. So... This one did for me, and I'm looking forward to seeing um, what they have in store for the next Wonder Woman movie because there will be another Wonder Woman movie coming soon. So that's awesome. So overall, if I give this a grade, it will absolutely be a solid B for me. Uh, it, Like I said, it wasn't the best, but it was it was very entertaining. I can watch it again. I'll enjoy it again. And uh, I look forward to like them developing more Wonder Woman. And actually, I want to see way more. I want to see much more animated uh, movies. Like, bring back Green Lantern, uh, try working with somebody, with other people, you know, other movies and stuff like that. I just, I want to see more. Definitely want to see more, but this is a good start from here. Folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. This week, on Select Start, I was going to try to give Game Freak's new game in 20 years that is not called Pokemon, and that is My Little Hero Town a review upon a lot of frustration, which I will continue to talk about on select start. I have decided that I'm going to rant about it more than review about it. There's a lot of reviews out there. If you want to find out how that game is, go to those reviews. I'm telling you, there's a minority of people who enjoy it, but there's a majority of people who share my frustration. And I'm going to talk about the one game that i will review that i probably should have reviewed a long time ago but better late than never that has saved my sanity from the frustration that i had from that game and i will talk about that this week on select star so stay tuned for that there are other shows that and movies that will be coming out um later this week i believe dolomite is i believe coming out next week if not already there's also uh some new things that are coming out and a lot of news going on by the way For those of you otaku out there who own Netflix, I don't know if you know, but they have just released the the all three seasons of the original Saint Seiya series is now on Netflix. If you have not seen Saint Seiya, their original series, there's a ton of Saint Seiya um, animated shows now uh, out there, the newer ones. But their original show they have acquired, it is now available on air. You have to watch it. It is a absolute awesome freaking anime it's legend it's it's a goat it's goat level you know it's part of the shonen jump uh universe you know with dragon ball and uh and bleach and naruto and all the stuff and in fact if you guys have gamers and, and um anime fans or otaku you didn't play the crappy ass jump force and you played j-star victory versus and you've seen uh seya end those games you also he they also have uh video games uh in there as well they got their own video game on a play on the playstation 4 that is available fighting game there's a bunch of fighting games out that's been out on in the japan version which i own too um it's really great just absolutely absolutely a great great game uh great series go out of your way check it out find out why everybody has been screaming about this if you're a pro wrestling fan you might like it too because there's some greco-roman type of elements there's a tournament that they had to fight for as well so this is kind of right up your alley I uh, somebody in um the somebody in the acmg facebook group <laughs> it, this is the sad part real quick before i end the show it, they talked about how it had a ronin warriors feel to it and i'm like oh you sad sad man um, saint Seiya has been out three years prior to the popularity of Saint Seiya, and it probably wouldn't be a Ronan Warriors had Saint Seiya come out first. I'm just pointing that out. It's just, it's kind of. I think it's kind of obvious that like they wanted another Ronin. And the thing is that for the U.S., I believe Fox acquired or some networks acquired the rights to uh, air. Ronin Warriors in America. And Saint Seiya was always seen in DVD or OVA film, you know, uh, disc and DVDs and VHS and all that stuff. So hardcore anime fans were able to watch that originally. And Tape Traders as well from back then. So it didn't get as much, but it, it's, it's one of the greatest of all time. So go out of your way to check it out. It's on Netflix right now. And it's awesome. Not only do they have that, but they also have the newer series that they have. They also have some other, there's a ton of Saint Seiya anime in netflix right now it's it's incredible so and i love the new version too it's actually pretty cool so go out of your way to check it out but folks that will do it uh next week we'll have a lot of news going on and some reviews i guarantee or something to talk about some subjects to talk about so uh that will do it folks on behalf of myself this is dac xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out of here folks have a great week